0: You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast that inspires thoughtful people like you to live in the moment, be mindful in a realistic, achievable way. My name is Mark Reed. I've been a college professor and a lawyer. Now I make handmade paper in Japan. Twice a week, I bring my research and thoughts or sit down with coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs to talk about their process. What lessons do they learn along the way and how you can make an impact in your world? Hey, here we are. You're listening to another Zen Sandwich interview. My guest today is Ensign Inoue. He also goes by the nickname Yamato Tamashi, which literally means Japanese spirit. I I can't tell you how excited I am about this. Many of my listeners might not be familiar with MMA, mixed martial arts. Uh, I want to just spell out for a second what a big name and a huge honor this is to be speaking with Ensign today. He is one of the most iconic fighters ever in the sport. Now, let that sink in. Even if you don't follow MMA, you know how big it is. He is one of the pioneers of this sport. He was the Shuto heavyweight world champion. He has fought and defeated Randy Couture, a three-time heavyweight champion in the UFC. He's an entrepreneur. He currently runs several MMA gyms under the name Purebred in Japan and the South Pacific, affiliated with other gyms in the U.S. and Canada. It's not all just fighting folks. He's an author. He wrote the book, Live as a Man, Die as a Man, Become a Man. You can find that on Amazon. He's an actor. He was in the 2008 movie Red Belt with uh, other big stars like Tim Allen and uh, Joe Mantegna. He was featured in a documentary film called Rites of Passage, the Rebirth of Combat Sports. We're not done. In 2013, incident embarked on a charity walk over 1,360 miles from Hokkaido to Kyushu, Japan that's from the top of the country to the bottom, people. The walk was to raise awareness for victims of the 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami. He did the walk using no money, living off the charitable goodwill of people and places he visited. Currently lives in Saitama, Japan, just north of Tokyo. Welcome to the program, Ensign Inoue. Man, it it truly is an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Well, one reason I wanted to do an interview with you, Ensign, I mean in addition to the name recognition factor and that you're a legend is that from what i understand you you do also practice a uh, i don't want to put words in your mouth but and call it zen or buddhism or taoism or shinto but i'll let you define it but would you say that you practice a form of uh eastern moral philosophy
1: yeah totally um it goes uh, a lot with the buddhist beliefs and uh we my wife um, actually introduced it to me, the stoicism, yeah. Yep. A lot of stoicism, thoughts, and uh, beliefs um, really blend in a lot with my thoughts.
0: Buddhism is is generally a thought to be a philosophy of peace. And how do you reconcile that with your career in a combat sport? Or or is there a reconcilia- reconciliation to be made? Do they go hand in hand? And if so, how?
1: I, I almost feel it's a, not more reconciling each other. It's more a step that I've made after fighting. Okay. And a, and a big part of it was doing the the Shikoku pilgrimage, the 80 temple pilgrimage.
0: Yeah, I uh, in a previous conversation with you, I I brought that up. You said you've done it twice, right? Yes. Okay. So why why did you do it twice?
1: Once I did it um, all at one time, and uh, it just calls you back. Yeah. Because after I did it, um, the first time I did it, it took me a month and. I did. Uh, I actually did the one hundred and eight. I added in the sacred uh, Bicucu Bangai temples. Wow! So I did one hundred and eight, um, and man, it was it was uh, man. It, the interesting thing about the pilgrimage was it it brought you into three three very uh, three different sufferings in your life that you feel, and and not not usually in your life you feel it all at one time. So it's the mental suffering, physical suffering, and the emotional suffering. Yeah. And usually you get one or two in life and it's like really a downer, you know, but in the pilgrimage, the, the interesting thing was that you get hit at a very severe level on all three of them. So mentally, it's just a mental, you walk in and you're, you walk in for a couple of days, you got cramps, you got blisters all of your feet. And you look at the map that you covered in the three days and it's like a little, like a little dot on the map. It's like, holy shit, I didn't even start. So mentally, that's really, that's really, it really hits you mentally emotionally yeah. man, there's no one to talk to you you're walking alone you're you're um, you're in a you're almost like a homeless person mm. and you're getting a little smelly because of the backpack and you know you have to find places to sleep at night so emotionally it gets really lonely at times i think every pilgrim at one time in the pilgrimage sits back and says why am i doing this to myself i have a house mm-hmm. i have a roof over my head i have friends why am I doing this to myself you know I think every pilgrim that I've talked to have run through that 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 mental state um, the other thing is obvious the, the physical suffering and it's very severe because I remember playing basketball and baseball and sports and you know when you had a blister on your foot you had to sit out practice or you you really couldn't do certain types of running but um, the blisters and uh, you get like three, two or three different places over your feet and it's not yeah. a matter of if you're going to stop walking or not, it's going to how you're going to walk and how fast you're going to be able to walk. So I found That's that really wow. interesting with the pilgrimage, that, you know, the, the three, three phases of suffering is all hit at one mm-hmm. time at a severe level.
0: That's amazing, man. Did you, had, did you do that before or after the, the Tohoku walk, the walk from Hokkaido to Kyushu? I did it before. Okay. So you, were, you already had some preparation for, the, for that 2013 walk. How was that? Yeah.
1: You know, the the funny thing about that is, um, although it was a lot longer and it took, it took 68 days because of the terrain, it wasn't as hard as the Chicago pilgrimage.
0: Huh. And how was it? I mean, did you really do it without like, without really spending money? Just, uh, just, you know, the charity of, of people along the way.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. Everything. And, you know, so the thing with that is, uh, the only plus I had in the Shikoku pilgrimage is a famous pilgrimage. So the people of Shikoku will find pilgrims and give them food and water. But the walk across mm. Japan is not something people do. So there wasn't a there wasn't a thing where they see you walking and they say, oh, it's a pilgrim, let's give them an offering. So until <laughs> I was blogging it, I was blogging it on my social media. So but until people realized what I was doing and that I was, you know, right. in the beginning. I had a fan come up and say hi to me and didn't even know we, we didn't have food for four days. Wow. Asked me, asked me for a picture and I'm, I'm like, I'm just inside just hoping he offers, yeah. but he thanks me for the picture and drives off. And I'm like, holy shit. So in the beginning it was really hard because no one really knew. No one really knew what I was doing. Yeah. So we, there are two spans of in the beginning where we walked on four days without food.
0: So it, it wasn't like Forrest Gump where they're like, there's a TV camera following you doing it. I mean, you, you're broadcasting it on social media, but it's not—it's not, it's not like on, on my, NHK or something.
1: Only on my cell phone. I would at, at night when we found the place to sleep, I would sit back yeah. and uh, and log it in that night.
0: That's crazy, man. That's intense. That's uh, that's ballsy, man. That takes that takes a lot of guts. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about mental preparation. I mean, that's what this show's about, and uh, about having. Perspective on life and preparing the mind to deal with life's bullshit. Going back to your MMA days, how did you mentally prepare yourself for a fight?
1: I prepared myself for the most severe. Um, I was always known as a fighter that was willing to die in the ring and, and literally mm. did prepare to die in the ring. Mm. So, what you know, the, the thing with, what taught me about that in life is it's the same thing in life, you know, like this pandemic. You're preparing for the pandemic to end by the end of the year. And it doesn't. It kind of, it kind of hits you mentally. Yeah. But if you prepare, like right now, you know, we're we're sitting back saying, okay, 2022. We're not going to get anything <laughs> back to normal until then. Right. And if you prepare for the worst, expect the best. Prepare for the worst. No matter what happens, it isn't that bad. You know, in the ring, I've never tapped in the ring.
0: Yeah, no, I, and people, I, I
1: got <laughs> choked out. I got ligaments broken. I got you know a lot of stuff done to me. But you know, it's not because I'm tough because my mental preparation in the ring was literally i was prepared to die in the ring so if you're prepared to die it isn't really not prepared to dying so i think that really helped me in my fighting career and in life
0: yeah i watched some of your podcasts and you uh i mean you wouldn't you had sort of strict instructions with your corner not to throw in the towel right
1: yeah unless um i was unconscious
0: right unless i mean it's just absolutely necessary that's uh, <laughs> Yeah. That's inspiring, man. Um were were you ever nervous before a match, or were you or were you mostly excited?
1: I was nervous. I was scared. I was uh there were a couple of matches where I teared up. Yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of anxiety and fear. You know, I guess you know, there's some fighters out there that say they, they they experience no fear, no no emotion before the ring. They're not nervous, but I guess for me, um in my heart, I was planning to die. And if you're walking to a place that you are really willing to die and plan to die in, it's nerve-wracking.
0: Ah, that's that's intense. Do you you still you approach life like that? You're not in the ring anymore, but I mean, do you you sort of approach your day that way? Like you know, you're like it's like you're ready to die if you know lightning strikes or a car accident or whatever. Like you're ready to go if it happens.
1: I think. If that type of severe situation in my life happened, yes, I I am. Um, of course, every day, you know, feeding my coys, you know, cleaning the yard. You you don't you don't actually need to prepare to die to do those things. <laughs> right. But if uh, there's a fire in the house, right. If uh, my wife needed help with something and it and it and it um, it had you know, I would have to put my life on the line. Yeah. Um, I think I'm prepared to, for that, and that's how I live my life.
0: That's awesome. 100%. That's awesome, man uh 2021 is upon us uh any new year's resolutions
1: wow i me and my <laughs> wife we sit down and talk about that we haven't really talked about it um it'll be uh probably the same as last year which i didn't get to get done is get in better shape you know get get right. in a very good physical shape which i'm, I'm in i'm in okay shape but I could be in way better shape. So yeah. that's probably definitely going to be one of the resolutions.
0: I'm pretty sure you're in better shape than, than most people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I oh, also, I got the next resolution I do have is uh, I have part two of my book that I've been writing for the last three years.
0: Oh, nice. It's yeah, ready.
1: Gonna... It's in the computer. It's being edited. It's just I'm, I'm just procrastinating the editing. And that is something I want to get out by mid-21.
0: Oh, excellent. Yeah, I was going to ask you in a little bit about what you got going on right now. Okay, well, Ensign, I usually do a segment at the end of each show just called Five Minutes Zen, where I give the listener something to dwell on or think about for five minutes or in you know some way add just five minutes of Zen to their life. I mean, th- this show is not for the aspiring Buddhist monk. This is just for regular folks to just put five minutes of Zen into their life. So in your case, I want to ask you about fatigue there's a YouTube video out there of you giving some guys in a dojo advice about fatigue and changing your mindset. I, I love this video. I've watched it a couple of times actually that uh, most of us hit fatigue at some point, whether it's on the mat or in life, whether it maybe it's at work or in a relationship or whatever. And in that video you say most of us hit fatigue and, and we say, Oh fuck, you know, what, what, <laughs> I, I'm ready to give up, you know, but you say that when you're in the gym and you feel fatigue. You feel lucky. Tell us more about that. Give us some advice on how to deal with fatigue in life.
1: Yeah, well, my my my, folk, my mindset on life isn't about living the easiest and, and, and uh, smoothest life. Yeah. My focus on life is to until the day I die, try and become the strongest and the best man that I can become. And as you know, a lot of the hard times is what molds who the person is. And like they say, they have that famous saying, you know, whatever what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. Absolutely. So for me, you know, fatigue is something in a in a normal mind, it's like it's a bad thing. It doesn't feel good. Fatigues, if you ever experience any type of fatigue, man, it is horrible. It'll break warriors. Yep. Especially physical fatigue. You know, when your arms are heavy, you can't move, you know. And so, you know, in, in the common sense, in the common mind, it's a bad thing. But if you're striving to become the most ultimate person that you can become before the day that you have to die, um, I believe that every, you know, fatigue, when you, have, when you hit that level of fatigue and you tell yourself that you need to work through fatigue, working every second. I mean, I literally say second because it gets that hard sometimes with fatigue. Yeah. So every second that you can continue and push through the fatigue, Whether it's a, it's you're walking slower, you're not, your your technique is getting bad, but the fact that you can actually push your fatigue, I believe you're getting stronger. So, what fatigue is to me, it isn't a bad thing where things are starting to hurt. For me, fatigue is an opportunity to grow stronger. And you don't get that many times in life. Yeah. You know, the other thing I wanted to point out about fatigue is there's a big misconception that fatigue, when people fail from fatigue, it's because the body fails. But people don't understand how strong the human body is. Um, uh, 99% of the times when people, even fighters, professional fighters, when they claim they failed from fatigue, they actually failed from mentally. The fatigue was hurting so much, yeah. they decided in their head that it was enough. You know, I have a lot of fighters that that will, will fall on the ground and say, I'm done, I can't do it anymore. But then if you, if you run something by them and say, hey, you know what? You're going to go another 50 minutes if you can't do another minute. All of a sudden, you get up, you know? yeah. So it's a, it's a, I think I believe a lot of fatigue is, is mental failure also.
0: And that's yeah. something a I think of,
1: people need to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, a lot of marathon runners will talk about there's, – there's a word for it, and I can't think of it right now. But there's some sort of barrier when they can't go on any further, and then they keep going on, and then they sort of break through and then they the catch wall. Is yeah. that called the wall yeah, wall yeah right and they get yeah. they get through that wall and then they can go you know they can go on further than they ever thought they could yeah uh, and, and
1: and i think in fighting or lifting they call it the pain barrier
0: yeah how that's much awesome. pain
1: barriers can you break
0: that's awesome well that's uh that's your 5 minutes in right there folks that's good stuff uh Instant man, i want to thank you so much uh it's been great um what what else you got going on? You you started to talk about your. Tell me about the book. Your your uh you, is this this is the second part to the first book you wrote?
1: Yeah. So my so my first book was a timeline. So I was actually just, I'm I'm a very much an understood person. People <laughs> think I'm this tough guy, this guy that doesn't feel pain, but I'm actually like everybody else, and I do feel pain. I have a lot of fears, so mm-hmm. I wanted to be understood. So I thought the best way to do it was my timeline. So of course, my timeline goes from my childhood living growing up in Hawaii, going into for f- racquetball, going into fighting. And what happened with the first book was I ran out of space. I was at like 120 <laughs> words, hundreds, 120,000 words. And it was like, this book is getting too long. Yeah. So I decided to close it off. And the interesting thing is it's pretty much covered my whole fighting career. So part two is pretty much going to be covering the, my pilgrimage, my walk across Japan. You know, I did a lot of uh, relief work at the, when the tsunami hit Japan, Yep. so it's a different side of me which is really interesting
0: yeah that's well that's what i'm interested in i mean i'm interested in the fighting stuff too i i studied judo earlier in my life i mean i never got to the anywhere near the level you did but you know i'm interested in that stuff too but my angle you know is is this stuff the the pilgrimage the uh the mental preparation um yeah well man i i really appreciate it uh i'm inspired dude and uh (laughs) Okay, so if if you like the show, uh, tell somebody, tell a friend, uh, and uh, leave a review, uh, a positive one, if you liked it. If you didn't like the show, then uh, hold your tongue. I'll get better. Um, give me your thoughts at uh, zinsandwich at gmail.com. Join me next time for when I uh, talk about politics, something I don't normally talk about here. But Ooh. I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> tell you. I'm not gonna tell you like how to think. You, I'm not gonna tell you to be conservative or liberal or uh, socialist or a libertarian. But I'm going to talk about the importance of having an independent mind and thinking for yourself instead of what some party platform tells you to think. So we'll get to that next time. Uh, Ensign, it was an honor, man. I, um, come on anytime. Let me know anytime.
1: I'll try to right. remember.
0: <laughs> he sent no me a worries. link
1: to it. Yeah, send me a link to it and I'll share it so people can. I like your, your, your uh, material, man. It's interesting, the Zen stuff.
0: Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I will do that. I'll I'll uh I'll send you a link today. Yep, shoot. All right, thanks. Next buddy,
1: Right on.